Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from Quebecois actor, director and screenwriter Xavier Dolan about how he's navigated his career to date, his move from film into TV, how he balances his various roles, his influences and inspirations, and what's in store with his new series and longer-term ambitions. Xavier Dolan is a Quebecois actor, director and screenwriter. He first received international acclaim in 2009 for his debut feature, I Killed My Mother, which he wrote, directed, produced and starred in at the age of 19. In 2014, Mommy, which he also wrote and directed, shared the jury prize at the Cannes Film Festival with Jean-Luc Godard's Adieu à Langage. Dolan has garnered many other awards, including the Ecumenical Jury Prize and the Grand Prix at the 2016 Cannes Film Festival for It's Only the End of the World, which also won him Best Director at the César Awards. In a departure from feature film, he directed the video for Adele's Hello, which won the Juno Award for Video of the Year, and his first English-language film, The Death and Life of John F. Donovan, premiered at TIFF in September 2018. His eighth feature film, Matthias and Maxime, premiered in the official competition at the 2019 Cannes Film Festival, and he's currently working on his first TV drama, The Night Logan Woke Up. Dolan spoke to Michael Picard as part of C21's Content Quebec about how he's navigated his career to date, his move from film into TV, how he balances his various roles, his influences and inspirations, and what's in store with his new series and longer-term ambitions. So welcome, Xavier. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time. How are, how are things with you at the moment? How has uh, lockdown been for you over the past few months? You know what? It's been... It's, I guess, you know, I, I, it's tricky to say it's been great because I know it's been really awful for a lot of people. And, and I keep, you know, appreciating how, how difficult it is in, in many places in the world. But um, the only possible response for me after a couple months of just, you know, last year wondering where the fuck is this going and, and where are we headed and, and how is this going to affect our industry. Well, then the next logical thing for me was to use this moment of 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 uh, rest, this moment of of, of silence, and um, I guess uh, this moment of calm to to sort of reinvent myself and think about the next years and my thirties and where I'm headed, what I want to do, who I want to be, and and get back into shape physically, take a little bit care of me, which you know it had been a while since I had done that. Um, so I. I guess this lockdown has been, you know, has allowed me to refocus and find a lot of answers, start asking myself also a lot of questions I hadn't been asking myself for a long time. And um, that is, what do I want to say? And and how do I want to do what I do over the next decade? And um, yeah, so that's, it's just been an opportunity to, I guess, grow and and become better Did you at least try <laughs> try yeah we'll try absolutely and it's um, been you know it's also been great not you know shooting a film you know i usually shoot a film a year or every year and a half and every other year and it's just now it's been three years almost three years since you know i shot matthias and maxim and um i realized that it's good to uh stop and look at yourself and look at the world and look at others and read and watch movies and you know read about architecture and 
and and fabric and and history and and uh, decorators and and read about other people, other artists, read poetry and and binge watch you know TV shows and and just really stop and think and then really have this urge to get back into it and and sort of you know absorb a lot and and be ready to regurgitate everything that you've that you've that's sort of gross but uh you know to just give back everything that you've stored in and that's sort of macerated um it's just it's i think even better than just always be into creation and never really having the time to take a step back and realize oh i could do this differently oh uh you know and 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 rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite what I've been doing for the past, you know, two years. Uh, I've never written something for so long and reiterated myself and reiterated every decision and every, it's just, it's it's been great not doing anything. <laughs> Do you think, um, I mean, I, I guess people, we've seen sort of COVID related shows that have been made on iPhones and things come out over the past year. I mean, do you think this is a period that filmmakers like yourself will want to reflect on soon or, you know, five years down the line? Or do you think people will just want to kind of move on and, and forget about that time we spent at home? I think it's been definitely inspiring to a lot of filmmakers and a lot of artists and painters. I have discovered about so many exciting painters in France and in, you know, Prague and in, in, in Australia and on Instagram and, and on the internet that, that seemed to have, um, well, I was just unaware of their existence, but what I noticed is during the pandemic, they would create, you know, a, a painting a day. And it's just really, it just seems like it was really, you know, it fostered a lot of, of ideas and inspiration and thank God if it can inspire people in a good way, because it's been really horrific on so many levels uh, that uh, at least artistically there's uh, there's been a lot of inspiration and a lot of uh, readjustments also, but inspiration, I want to say. I don't know if I would be urged to talk about COVID-19. I like, I don't really care. It's, I want to talk about so many other things, but it's also a period in time where we're all, you know, where we're being told that we need to, to be more specific, I think, about where we stand politically and what gestures we are ready to make and pose in order to take a stand, um, you know, fight for what is just. So in the morass of all the past years, health crises, obviously, but, but you know, all of the other crises that we are going through, I've been wondering a lot, am I useful and am I relevant do I need to be political to be relevant? Do I need to be political to be allowed to making films? Will people at one point just be like, I don't give a shit about this anymore. I needed to be more engaged. But then, you know, I just sort of realized that I've been making movies for the past 10 years about queer people and trying to give them a place and voice in our cinematic industry. And I guess for me, that's that is enough at the time. Not that I wouldn't want to be more political about my work and what I'm doing next could be political in a way it you know touches um toxic masculinity and rape and grief and death and social inequity so i guess in a way it, it could be seen as political but it is a family story first and foremost so um but yeah so that was a long answer to say i'm not going to shoot anything on the you know on covid19 with my iphone no. but i'm assuming <laughs> other people will
will and good for them. <laughs> good for them. Um, I, mean, yeah, you I just mean... think these things need to just sit down and, and wait and macerate until mm-hmm. it's like, you know, when I was a kid, no one really talked about cancer on TV or in film. Uh, it was only when, you know, when I saw, you know, when I saw Stepmom with Susan Zerandon and uh, Julia Roberts, it was the first time I, I heard about cancer on, I guess I was just a kid also and I didn't see any films and at, at all. But uh, I guess, you know, we need time to, I, I'm not going to say that cancer was invented in the 90s. I'm just saying that I think that for things to be relevant, they need to just wait and and and, and sit and uh, sort of uh, brew, is brew a word? Yeah, 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 yeah. For a while about, before, yeah. we need perspective, right? Mm-hmm. To, uh, we need perspective. This is what this whole year has given me perspective. I'm grateful it did. And when you talk about, you know, perspective, you mentioned there that, you know, you've, you've been working solidly almost for the last 10, 11 years, you know, eight feature films, uh, and other projects as well. I mean, what perspective do you have then of the work that you've done and the stories you've told and, and how do you think you'll go forward now over the next decade? I think for me, the the, the next step is to explore and try different things and take a lot of risks. Um, that's what's exciting at the time, which is why I think it will almost only be about genre for me in, in my 30s, whether it's science fiction or horror films or period pieces. I don't regret, you know, telling these stories. And I think that although they bear all those resemblances, they are very different from one another. And there will always be people to think that, you know, all I do is talk about my mom, but really what I what I do is talk about all of the other mothers out there and not mine but I guess you can make that decision for yourself you can think you know I'm I have mother issues and I think I guess that's the the easy way of, of trying to look at these that body of, of films but really I've just been trying to tell different stories but in the same realm of uh, emotionality and how we try to take our place try to look for it and how we are sometimes denied that place that's been the focus of these eight films Films. Uh, I guess I want to go somewhere else. That might not be clear though <laughs> with the first thing that I tackle, which is this mini series. Because when I l- saw it, you know, uh, on stage, it is a play that I adapted. When I saw it on stage, it was so. Um, it talked to me in so many ways and definitely grazed a lot of themes and subject. Well, not only grazed, but I guess dived into or delved into themes that I had explored in the past. I just think that what's new here for me is the tone in general, which which is that of a thriller and a psychological thriller and, and with accents of horror here and there. So I guess that is different and that is exciting. I also think that, you know, genre allows you to really indulge in style more than the more casual dramas allow you to like Matthias and Maxim will be for certain people an aesthetic film but for me it's a movie where I actually try to sat back and sit back sorry and said let's not you know put too much let's not perfect that lighting too much except for certain scenes I guess let's not you know let's not make it too pretty let's make it look real and let's have a camera on the formal plane that is a bit more steady and just a witness to all that's going on rather than complex uh, directing and uh, ideas. So Matthias and Maxime for me was 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 um, was more of a you know sit down and just do your thing and think about the characters and the story first and don't put yourself out there too much. Now this new show that I'm doing, uh, being a psychological thriller with these with these nightmares and accents of horror that I've mentioned to you, obviously will will allow me more naturally to you know indulge in. Uh, 
aesthetics and and style and and more complex and you know uh, um, more complicated lighting effects and 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 that ex- that is exciting. It's also a period piece, well, period piece. It takes place in the nineties. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can say I, I, I get to say that it's a period piece. You know, yeah, it takes place you know in another century. Uh, no, but uh, it's. Um, yeah, it's, it's so that is also exciting, I guess. Uh, the 90s is my childhood. So it's it's exciting to look at it, at them, at these years as an adult now and trying to tell adult stories. And then, you know, what's next really is is there is this um, this novella that I wanted to adapt, short story, I guess you could yeah. say, that I wanted to adapt, that it, it's really a horror piece set in the early 1900s. So that's what's immediately next. And then I don't really know, you know, about the rest. I mean, we should mention, you know, the miniseries, it's called The Night Logan Woke up so can you tell us just a bit about the story you've, you've kind of given us a hint of the, the style and the tone can you tell us a bit about the story and and the characters we follow through so yeah the night logan woke up is like i said a play that i saw uh in montreal uh by a uh, playwright michel marc bouchard who also wrote time of the farm uh this is another play of his which i adapted into uh, a feature film uh called time of the farm as well and so it's the second time that I've adapted one of his works. And when he came here and had read all the scripts, uh, because I've adapted it in a five episode miniseries, he said, uh, you know, I feel like with what you've done with the adaptation, I feel uh, like this play of mine now lives in a different house, but I still feel home. And I thought that was, you know, a nice way of wording it. Uh, we we are not the same person, but we do speak the same language and understand each other. And so uh, it basically tells the story of a funeral director, funeral embalmer, thanatologist, <laughs> uh, who travels to her hometown after 30 years of, uh, of absence to her estranged brothers uh, in uh, order to uh, embalm her own mother at the... Uh, at the request of the latter in her will. So obviously, you know, not a super chill, uh, you know, not, not, not extremely pleasant circumstances, I would say. Uh, and, you know, by reacquainting her estranged brothers, obviously, because they're organizing the service and, and those are the times where, you know, even though you, you, you have taken your distances for whichever reasons, uh, from, from your loved ones or, you know, next of kin, uh, those are the times where you have to talk to each other and 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 have to revisit the past and by doing so uh we learn uh you know the reasons that prompted her to leave everyone and everything behind and basically never return and that is the fact that she um when she was 14 was raped by the young neighbor across the street who happened to be her brother's best friend and one of her best and her best friend as well and so we re-explore the of the events of you know that that traumatic night as well as the months you know that followed that event the years that followed that event so we keep just going back you know between past and present to try to understand exactly what happened and soon enough some secrets will be unearthed and surface and give a bit of context to that 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 night where our young heron was raped you've adapted uh, bouchard before from uh, tom at the farm i mean what is it about his 
plays perhaps that kind of are they particularly uh, you know well suited for the screen perhaps or do you have an approach to how you like to adapt his work that has also worked for for this new project well we worked together when i adapted time of the farm and time of the farm were basically was basically 13 scenes and honestly was all pretty much all the structure work was done i just wanted to get out of that farm you know for a couple scenes and that was basically the work that i did now uh the night logan woke up is a little bit more complex i guess because the play and which is great which is a great setup takes place entirely in that embalming room but i just thought that it was you know great when i saw it but what really sprung to mind was oh my god it will be so great i think to get out of that lab and see all the past that we are actually just evoking. So I thought the characters that we talk about, we'll see them, we'll, we'll give them a job, we'll, we'll make them really exist, uh, we'll follow them to their work, we will uh, uh, accompany every character and, and treat them as, you know, members of a more complete family. It's definitely the most complete array of characters that I've ever had to write about and think about because we because because we have more time with them because we follow them for five episodes, which is a complete discovery for me because I'm used to telling things really fast. You've got time to learn to love people and understand people and dive into their past in, in order to understand, you know, their every move. And that is fun. It's just fun to write and plan and think about. And I mean, you know, we should mentioned that this is your first TV project, isn't it? So is there a reason why now for you for TV? Is it this project? Is it something in your film career that you thought, let's just just park film for a bit, let's do some TV? Or is it is it a multitude of things? Why why TV? Why now? I was adapting this this short story I told you about this yeah. horror short story set in the 1900s. And I was having a lot of fun. And then, you know, the, the, the pandemic happened and I sort of lost interest you know i might not have the money that i wanted to shoot that horror story and if it's a period piece mm -hmm. set in france in the 1900s then i'm not going to shoot that for a dollar so i guess i was confronted with the the financial failures of my most recent projects as well as the new reality in which we now live which you know is 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 very pandemic oriented I, you know when the pandemic started i thought this is the opportunity to watch every criterion movie that i possess <laughs> and then after five seconds i found myself you know just re-watching six feet under and and angels in america and then eventually smallville and the wb show that i binged as a kid and then i read an article that was really interesting about how you deal anxiety and the fact that you keep you know re-watching things that you've seen because it gives you a sentiment of a sense of comfort and so I was like that's interesting uh and um so but mostly and mainly what I've watched during the the, the pandemic were tv shows and realized that this was the one industry perhaps that wasn't hit hard by the pandemic because it was thriving actually and everybody wanted to subscribe to these platforms where there were just endless hours or rather there was endless content and that they they could just binge and forget about, you know, find escape from what was happening outside their window or what wasn't happening outside their window. So my reflection was, A, I don't want to write this horror story anymore because it doesn't inspire me anymore. It, but I want to I want I want to be talking about people right now. I want to be talking about things that we as humans feel in the now that we that I don't want to talk about people who are rich in the 1900s and think there are ghosts in their house. It just was this entire pandemic reconnected me to a lot of things. 
And this was, I guess, you know, when I thought, let's do this show and let's do TV. Let's find a streaming platform uh, that will give us the means of our ambitions and and give us the resources that we need to make this something eventful and that won't be lost, you know, in the midst of, of because there's so much content. And uh, yeah, so we went on to find these partners and we did. And that's, that's Club Illico in, in Quebec and you have Canal Plus in France as well and Studio Canal backing you. So, I mean, these are big players, aren't they, in the industry? So you, you must be pleased that, you know, your first TV show has got, you know, that kind of backing and, and confidence in your work, I guess, to, to produce... I am. <laughs> I am. I decided to stay here in Quebec and do everything here and work with people from here and work through the system of financing movies mm-hmm. here and not go anywhere else because thought that I needed to tell stories about the people here and who I am and who I come from and where they and who they are. And um, and that 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 in a certain way, that was why these films had been successful. Well, by successful, I don't necessarily mean financially, but, um, you know, well, they, they, they have been hugely successful. You've won. I mean, how many awards have you won? Not least at Cannes. I mean, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> they don't always measure that, you know, no. in terms of awards <laughs> that you win, but rather money that you make. So I'm not saying these movies made bank but I just some of them were more successful than others but I think they were always successful in finding their public somewhere and being beloved by some fans I guess I was afraid that no one would believe in me anymore that they thought oh well you know Matthias and Maxime is nice but um didn't really perform and his previous film was a disaster so you know he's done uh and I realized that you know this this gave me sort of wings because it made me want to prove myself more than ever with that show. We have great directors here and especially great, great actors and actresses. And we make a lot of TV, but we make it really fast and we make it with no money. I see now that with every streaming device, their new focus is local branding. So clearly there is money and If these people believed, and by these people, I mean these new studios who are these giant platforms, who are the new studios. And if they believe in us and in me and in Quebec, well, then we might have a shot at saying, you know what? It's not that we cannot make excellent content. It's that we are not given the money and the resources to do that. And I think we're doing great things here. We have incredible potential, but it is, it's always a matter of, of believing in that potential and investing in it. And that has always been a hardship for uh, culture in Quebec. It was the culture that, it was the industry that kept everyone here in Quebec alive and entertained during this year of perdition or or this year of wasted time and lives and just this year of, of horror. Mm-hmm. Well, people could turn on their TVs and watch their favorite actors and actresses uh, because we kept going. I mean, where are you at the moment in terms of, um, you know, production schedule, when do you hope to shoot? And I mean, what kind of challenges are you facing when you get into your directing sort of hat on? And what are you, what are you kind of thinking about uh, at the moment before you start shooting? We start shooting on May 
31st. I'm a little bit worried about that third wave. I'm not going to be, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little worried that these variants might, you know, give us a kick in the ass and just, uh, just don't want to postpone it again because I did, we, we were supposed to start in March and now we've postponed to May. So that's just, you know, <laughs> well, I, I guess it was all for the better. And the circumstances in which we have to shoot and the restrictions we have just are so limiting and, and, and heavy to, to always take into account. And, and, and I don't want to work around things. I want to work. I want to work in a complete way and an immersive way. And I don't want to have to, to renounce to certain standards. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see what happens, but May 31st. So I'm in prep and, um, that's it. Fingers crossed for, for May the 31st. I mean, you know, looking at your film, you know, your body of film work, it's, you know, it's clear that you're, you're an auteur in terms of you write your own stuff, you direct, you, you star in it. Um, I mean, how would you say writing and directing a TV show compares? Do you have the same amount of freedom, uh, the same amount of creative control? I think this in this project, it was all about not feeling really the difference between both. Uh, there is a huge difference in how you write it. And I'm not going to say that I consider this to be one big film because it would be a stupid thing to say, but it is one big film to shoot. Uh, I guess, you know, I'm aware of, of different notions in terms of rhythm and narrative and things that we establish and in the pace of every episode, but also, uh, you know, taking into account that it is part of, a, of an ensemble and, a, and a, a whole, but it does not in a certain way affect how we shoot it. Uh, it is just for me to bear in mind and keep, you know, and not forget that this is just, that this is a show that everything, you know, is linked and that, uh, but in a way, I think that the real luxury for us here was to, to be able to afford time with, with actors and time with my DP to properly light everything. And, and you know, there's this this one thing that I keep telling him, uh, André Turpin, with whom I work, he's my cinematographer, and he keeps saying, you know, there's always one shot in a film that you hate. There will be no shots in this that I hate. There cannot be any moments that I am forced to use. I want it to be, I want it to be perfect. I want it to be, I want it to look perfect. I want it to be perfect and perfect for me is not a notion of everything being, you know, what I mean by perfect is I want everything to work. I want everything to be taken seriously without us having to take ourselves seriously, clearly. But uh, yeah. And, and when you're writing, do you think about directing what you're writing? And, and then do you think about how you might act in a particular role if you're acting in it as well? How do you juggle like those three different responsibilities on, on you know, a project, whether it's a film or, or the miniseries, or is it just not something that you, you particularly think about? It might not be. <laughs> I don't particularly, I mean, I try to protect myself from being distracted mm -hmm. and breaking out of character, but it's sort of inevitable because I'm dealing with so many things. I'm, I'm, I want to say something. I want to say I'm getting better at being better in spite of having so many things and wearing so many hats and having to direct others. But that's okay, because I start with myself. I start with my shots. Mm -hmm. Then I'm done and sort of, you know, freed of that responsibility of, of being good in, in, in how I act in the scene. And once I'm satisfied with that, then I move on to directing other actors. And so that is the system that I found over the years. But it's still hard for me, you know, when I'm being taught by someone, oh, by the way, you know, one second before we say action, I'm like, there are certain actors that I know who are sitting in the corner there listening to me 
music and they don't want to hear anyone and they answer you as their character, which is, you know, not, I, I am torn between these school of thoughts. I'm not that much of a method guy, but then I love a lot of things about method acting, but I just want to be focused and in my thing. And that's hard to do when you, when you are directing a movie. So I'm getting better at it, but I, I wish I was getting better at acting simply. <laughs> Um, and that is, that can only be done when you act for other people, which is definitely what I'm striving to do. But I think, you know, I'm not really known in the U.S. And uh, some things are happening in France, though. I'm, I'm happy about that. I mean, I was going to ask you about, you know, acting for other people. I mean, you certainly seem to, you know, prefer to act and, and direct your own writing and, and sort of do everything. You know, these are your films very much. I mean, I don't. Is that something you you obviously chose from the outset because your first you know big film you did everything yourself so that was very much a, a choice from the outset rather than build up an acting career and then go into you know behind the camera perhaps you know it's the reason why I got into films to begin with I wanted to cast myself as a lead I wanted to act and you know the, the only way to get better at acting is to act is mm -hmm. to do it and to act with great actors with in great scripts and or you know bad scripts and then you learn a lot of things too but uh. What I'm say is you you what I'm trying to say is if you don't act and you consider yourself an actor, then you you're dying and you're not doing anything and you're not getting better or worse. You're just stagnating, which is the worst. Mm -hmm. So I cast myself and I killed my mother and decided that I would write and direct so that no one above me could just say, no, we don't want you. You're not good and you're not famous enough. And so for me, this was a way of just but I was awful in the film. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but um, it was a, it was a way for me to, to sort of um, self start and then you know, I kept doing it. I, I, I did it in, 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 in my second film and then realized I need to just take some perspective and just watch other actors at work because I'm not learning as I would like, which I did. And it was a great lesson of acting to watch Suzanne Clément and, and Lawrence anyways. I found she was very impressive and very inspiring and have a lot of admiration for her. And then I acted in Tunnel of the Farm and tried to apply these learnings and and yeah, and then after Tunnel of the Farm got some offers from other directors, which I really loved and appreciated. And for a while I thought, oh, this is it. They're going to hire me and, and, and it's going to take off, but you know, it's longer and, and it's, it's harder than I thought. And people also either think I'm a horrible actor or think I'm a good actor, but only act for myself or think that I won't be free because I'm directing. And I shot a film uh, with Xavier Janoli uh, in France uh, a period piece and it was an incredible experience. I wish that I would have had time to, I had to come and go and come and go and come and go. And I wish that I could have stayed there and stayed into character, you know, for the full duration of the shoot, but I just couldn't. And, um, but it was, it was, it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. Uh, it was a true discovery of, of a human, as a human being, as a director, as an artist, he's an extraordinary, I love him. We've become friends and I sincerely wish that I, you know, I work with him again. I think I will. He said he wanted to uh, as well. That is also something in my thirties. That's that's a major major aim is is being able to work for other directors and being considered as some as an artist who's capable of, of doing that. I mean, I don't want to say you know what was your big break because you've you know making that first film is arguably just getting it done was a huge achievement but I mean is there a film or a, a moment that you look back on as 
being a kind of a, a defining moment or a lesson that you will now take with you into the, you know, further into your career? Well, mommy was the moment where I think a lot of pers a lot of people who didn't necessarily take me seriously thought that I was, you know, some sort of joke. Then they realized or said, they might have not said it. I don't know. It just felt like everything became, you know, more real that people looked at me and, and said hello. <laughs> I guess it's not only about winning an award. Obviously, it helped, but it's the, the way people look at you and offer their hand and suddenly see you. You just start to exist as someone real and serious in this industry. I was just going to ask you as well, um, just so many of the stories you've done in the films you've made have, have been about um, stories of different sexuality and, and diversity and, um, you know, representation on screen. I mean, how do you feel that is progressing in the industry, you know, in front of and behind the camera as well, that, that work that you've, you've sort of spearheaded in, in some respect as well? Well, a lot of things have changed and which I'm delighted about it's it's very clear that there is a growing place uh, and a place of choice for people of you know that identify as queer in the largest definition of the term whether you're gay or bi or trans or or a lesbian or it's just I think I think everyone now knows that they deserve a place in this business and that this place in a certain way is willing to give it to them. But there is a lot of progress to be made uh, to work our way up the ladder and into the big studios and feel that we're not only given you know, the second place or, or, you know, one that, that is, you know, numbered and limited to a certain amount of money, because obviously we're from, you know, minorities and that might not appeal to bigger markets. I think that it's time for queer characters and big fucking films. Otherwise, how are we ever going to get our point across to, to the people who deny us that place, which I guess are the public that, that these studios desperately want to please and avoid losing. You know, I don't think we will ever convince these people that we deserve a place, but um, I feel that the decision that some studios have to be making in the next years is we don't mind losing these members of the public if they think that queer people have no place in the movies we make. Just going to say, we've, we've touched on um, kind of what you're up to next, but I mean, where do you see your future? I mean, do you think you'll go back to film are you going to be converted and, and stick with tv or do you find yourself you know thinking bouncing through the mediums and seeing what story fits where you want to well go? i certainly i i certainly love it i i love it so far i i don't know i don't know it's a matter of you know with it's 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 the matter of what i get next what i do next uh you know i've received Lots of scripts uh, over the past years and sometimes thought of directing some of them. It just didn't work for so many different reasons. But if I was sent a script, you know, or a, a project of, of miniseries, I, I don't think I don't think I would I wouldn't direct something really, really long. Or I don't know if I would be a director on a director's in a director's room. I might I might really enjoy that, though. I, I, I have no idea. Honestly, I'm open to everything as long as it's really different from what I've done before. Xavier Dolan speaking with Michael Pickard as part of C21's Content Quebec On Demand, which continues online now and runs until April 30th. 
Video versions of the sessions are available right now on c21media.net if you're a pro subscriber, and there'll be more from the event in the podcast tomorrow. But in the meantime, stay safe and up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening. <laughs>